Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. I'm Dan Landrum. And I'm Aaron O'Rourke. And we're at Saul Steve today. Yeah. He is in Kentucky, I believe, for a week. Doing Kentucky stuff. Yep. <laughs> Fried chicken, I'm guessing. And bourbon. I think. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so... Uh, what is the day, just for people who are listening like quickly or off in the future, we wonder about when this was done, if we make any references, 27th of April? Yeah, that sounds right. 2017. I think this might be podcast number 61. Wow. Which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Just a number. And uh, we're set up today with Aaron having an instrument in his lap. So we can do... <laughs> You know what we're going to do? We're going to try to bore the mount, the hammer dulcimer people as much as I did with the, the hammer dulcimer, bored the mountain dulcimer people a couple of weeks ago. I might end up boring the mountain dulcimer people, too. Oh, that's well, I did, <laughs> yeah. I, you're right. Yeah. I was giving myself too much credit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what have you been working on? First, well, you, you've been working on trying to get your playing back. back. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so I know we talk about practice on on here quite a bit, and I I think we've even talked about um, uh, how to practice after you've not touched an instrument for a while, and um, that's not totally the case with me. I've I've had other instruments to play, but they're all they're suited for other stuff that I'm still kind of working on. I think I've mentioned sure. the uh, the Tony Vine Stolzmer, which I'm I'm working on. A lot of finger style stuff uh, with, and, and that's really cool. But that's not what the bulk of my material has been so far, at least. Um, the bulk of my material has been flat picked, and I've been playing that on this dulcimer made by David Beatty. Um, that's in your lap for years, right yeah. Now. But it and wasn't in your lap for a for of about weeks. three weeks. Three yeah. weeks, wow. Yeah, and during that time, I yeah, I didn't really do a whole lot of practicing my my usual material that I was working on. Uh, got this back. It needed a brace reglued. It sounded like an electric guitar having that loose brace in there. Every time I would strum, it sounded like I was plugged in playing through a distortion pedal. It was it was amazing the effect that that loose brace had on uh, I have rattling. One. I have one that does that. Keep talking. Really? For a well, um, it's been it had been like that for uh, maybe even two years, and um, uh, got it back from David recently and started playing. Tried to just uh, pick up where I left off, working on. Uh, sweep picking and trying to with get, a P yes sweep <laughs> <laughs> picking as we've mentioned on, on here a number of times and uh, I way way overdid it <laughs> um, when I'm when I'm building back up into playing shape after not playing for a while I try and make the conscious decision to limit the amount of time that I play uh, for the first three days then after that, I find I'm usually pretty safe. Well, the first day I got it back, uh, I was pretty excited and also <laughs> pretty frustrated with my own playing. Okay. In that, um, not that it was necessarily sounding bad, but in terms of speed, I wanted to get. I was not where I was when I uh, sent the dulcimer down to Florida, sure. and I could feel I was tense. 
and that was just really bugging me, but I was enjoying playing. Time got away from me, so I think I spent about mm, maybe six hours, seven hours playing. <laughs> and um, So just I know we've harped on this before, but that whole thing when somebody says, wow, you've got a gift. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it goes away if you don't practice for about three days. <laughs> oh, it goes away <laughs> The quick. gift gets taken away immediately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's amazing. Like I said, I had other dulcimers that I was playing. I was just playing different material using really different techniques uh, than I use when I play this one. And uh, yeah, that... It's, it's amazing that while th- there's a lot of left-hand stuff that, that I feel like was maintained, the right-hand technique um, absolutely did not translate, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Well, because I took the time to set up a ladder and get a dulcimer down when oh, you were yeah. talking. Here's a... I have no idea. This, this is a mountain dulcimer made in the 70s, probably in North Carolina, with loose braces and things. I don't know if you can hear well enough. Do you hear the buzz from over there, Aaron? The buzz to me sounds like it might be coming from the fretboard. I, oh, yeah. I'm hearing a lot of different stuff come out yeah. of that now. Yeah. That kind of bzzz. Yeah, this was a bit more intense. So more was worse than this? Oh, I actually have a sound, a sound clip <laughs> yeah, on my phone. The, if on I can... your phone through the microphone. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. I have to make sure it's the right one. Uh, that's okay. One. Okay, it's the one that says Creaky Brace. Yeah. That's really what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, that very much sounds like you're playing through an amplifier. How cool is that? Yeah, you so... You need to get David to build you one that sounds just like that, too, <laughs> for doing, like... 50s music. Yeah, it, it sounds like it would be a cool feature, but when you're trying to play something <laughs> pretty, it's, it's really not. <laughs> It'd be good for like Beach Boys songs. Yeah. It's got that sound. <laughs> so anyway, you, so, but you're back now, and I, we were going to record this podcast, what, two days ago, and oh, you yeah. said... Well, actually, um, after your uh, after you played Hammer Dulcimer, the the plan yeah. was the next one was going to be me playing, and uh, and I couldn't take the loose brace anymore, <laughs> and uh, and then we we got together with Butch to talk about his CD release right. and stuff. So yeah, it just hasn't happened. But now I've got the Dulcimer back in my hands, and I'm trying to get back to working on Sweep with a P picking okay back to where i was and um on dulcimer school i know some of some of the listeners uh have seen the aaron and steve show on dulcimer school where we got together and we traded ideas and showed what we were working on i saw one of the comments somebody said they really liked the aaron and steve show yeah days ago it's pretty fun we need to do we we need to do a round two of of those because i've been working on stuff (laughs) and uh um but when I showed Steve sweep picking uh, on dulcimer school, I could only go in one direction from bass to melody string. And actually, I'll play it and then I'll describe what's going on. Okay. Um, now, in a musical context... So those sweeps where you hear those really 
fast, abrupt notes going. I'm starting low on the bass string, then playing the middle string, playing the melody string, and then playing the melody string again. And my pick direction is in, 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 out. So if I take a chord, a D chord, like uh, four, three, two, four on the bass, three on the middle, two on the melody string, I'm going to go in, 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 and then after I play the two on the melody string, I'm going to play four on the melody string. Going back out. Yeah, and that's going to be the out. Yeah. So what I've been trying to do since then is be able to not just go, but turn around and go back the opposite direction. Sure. Before you go farther? Yeah. When you were describing the process just a second ago, you were actually doing in, 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 in three motions. Stop, stop, stop. Right. And then out is a fourth motion. But now that has changed. What you just did was much smoother. Yes. Well, it happened quicker. There's, those notes are still pretty staccato. That's the intention That's right. anyway. Okay. Um, I'm still, I'm not treating it like a strum. Um, I'm digging the pick in. I've got it angled a little bit and I'm even pinching it a little harder than usual. So it's pretty rigid. Okay. So I'm able to separate those notes. But it is one, it's one motion from your hand. Like, I can feel each each string like right. a bump in the road, even though I'm I'm trying to stay as relaxed as I can. The little bit of flat picking I've done, I sometimes get pain in my hand yeah. when I grip the the pick too tight like that. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get that? Uh, well, I'm I'm getting that now uh, as a result of getting back into playing shape. And like I said, I could feel that I just had more tension in my wrist, wow. my forearm, my that, elbow, that my shoulder. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was after not playing this stuff for three weeks and then playing for like six and a half hours or something like right. that. The, the but first I'm thinking day. about people who come to festivals who haven't really learned a technique at all, and mm-hmm. then they're trying it for two days straight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I could see why you'd give up after that. You'd like, yeah. Because this is on, makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. There's a reason why when I'm when I'm teaching exercises, I try and give people's hands a lot of time to rest and just talk for a bit. Um, it's as much because I love the sound of my own voice as I'm trying to. Yeah. When I ramble, I usually tell them the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So sweet picking that that's what I've been trying to get back on because I felt like I was really close. Uh, when I sent the dulcimer down to Florida to be repaired, uh, um, to be able to go in both directions. Yeah, both directions. And now I'm not quite to where I was before. It's still not totally comfortable. Now, but by it's, both it's directions, do you mean not just adding the fourth, but adding a fifth and a sixth? Or do you mean starting at the top and going out and then making before going down? Does that make sense? N- can I play what I'm talking yeah, about? So yeah. here's where I was. I could do that much comfortable, semi-comfortably. Um, and I built to being able to go up and back down and just keep that going. And now I can hear there's this little bit of, do you hear that, that delay? Last one. That delay. Yeah. There's yeah. this pause and I had worked it. 
I was pretty close. I was a lot closer on that than I was. Yeah. So I started working on, um, uh, in three, like if you're counting one, two, three, one, two, three, da, 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 da. And moving that around. Uh, <laughs> and of course there's a part where I would hit a train wreck. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but, uh, but you also are trying to talk and do it too. Yeah. Which that's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's I haven't worked up to that point, but that's been because it feels like it's so close that it's kind of driving me nuts right now. Um uh trying to get there, but um I've I've listened to it. I've I've recorded this a whole bunch, just looped it and listened to it at half speed, and uh, and about half of them are, are at half speed are sounding and feeling pretty good. Maybe a little bit less. Maybe more like thirty five, forty percent of them. But that's what I've been working on: is cool. sweep picking. Let's hear you practice it. Okay. So. Here's how I would pra- here's how I started practicing sweep picking is picking just one chord like a D chord and all all the shapes that I'm using are going to be reverse of what many players would use the highest fret for each chord voicing is going to be on the bass string you want to explain that's where why? we're gonna start um yeah I will in just a second okay. um uh, special. What? Are you just special? No. <laughs> so instead of two, three, four, two on the bass, three on the middle, four on the melody, I'm going to play the reverse of that, four, three, two. And then when I move up to my next voicing of a D chord, seven, five, four, and then move up to the next voicing, nine, seven, seven. And... I would just try and run those uh, those chord shapes up and down, back and forth, by using the sweep picking. So, in on four, in on three, in on two, out on four, the melody. Or, just that much. In, 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 out. Then the next chord shape, seven, five, four. Stopping on seven of the melody. Next chord shape, nine, seven, seven. Stopping on nine on the melody string. Then I would do the same thing with another chord like G. Can I say something? Yeah. So observing your right hand, even though you're not playing the fourth note, you are still making that motion. Even though I'm not playing the fourth note. You're going da 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 da, and you're not playing da 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 da. You know. Well, I'm playing four notes. Oh, never mind. You are. Okay. Maybe I just wasn't playing the last one very loud. No, 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 no. It was just so yeah. deceptive because that <laughs> your down motion, I mean, it just looks, it just flows. It almost looks like you're relaxing your hand at that point. Almost like a twitch <laughs> motion or something. It is, you know? yeah. Now trying to go back and forth, which... The only shape I've really practiced going back and forth is what most players would call a slant shape, where there's 
uh, three notes on successive frets, like four, three, two, sure. versus a shape like an extended uh, slant, like uh, would be the case with seven, five, four, where it's a bit more of a stretch for me and my left hand feels a little bit more tense. I need to work that out. And then the L shape. The L shape is a little bit harder when doing this for a few reasons. One, with those other shapes, my left hand is kind of rolling a little bit. Even though I'm starting with 4-3-2, when my pick crosses one of the strings, I'm trying to relax the finger holding down that string so it, it stops ringing and it gives it that really staccato. By the time you get to the top string... I mean, it's obviously left, and it's coming up, and it's fretting. Yeah. You're not barring. No. That's what I wanted to point out. Yeah. yeah. But when I do that L shape, I am barring. So oh. because I'm barring, I don't have as much control bringing any of those other strings to a stop, bringing the middle string to a stop. Okay. Because my finger's on there. Like, it's... You hit pinky oh. on your left hand yeah. barring. Yeah, yeah. So the middle string is ringing out. Keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, I can get to that last note and just lift up the bar. Right. Because um, my my index finger then is above that bar. I think there's... Not that there needs to be, because when you're doing this at speed, it's not enough that you notice. Yeah. But if you had to mute it, do you think you could figure out a way? Um, if I absolutely had to... I, I think it's yeah, it's possible to roll your finger as your back, but it's not ergonomic in any way. Okay. And I wouldn't. I don't know if I would want to even practice that enough to do it. And I don't know if I would want to do it enough to actually get it to sound good because right. it it has potential to be so damaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Okay. Yeah. So that all makes jolly good sense. So so far. Cool. I think I can do everything you've just done in my head. <laughs> Sweet. Sweep. <laughs> so that's what I that's what I've been working on and I I put that in a in a piece that I did record for Patreon uh before I left and that was kind of the this little bridgey section. What a great example of how practicing a technique, though, turns into, you know, the the basis for something, whether it be a tune or whether it just be a little snippet of something you do in a tune. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Well, that that tends to be how I write in general. Uh, I know we've talked about this before, but, um, but I notice staying on top of Patreon and thinking about future dulcimer school lessons, it's, uh, I'm seeing that I'm seeing it more now than ever before that a new tech, that a new technique lends itself or always seems to become part of the next arrangement I'm working on or, uh, the next composition. And I think Steve said something in one of the lessons that we did that I thought was really good. Um, he said something like, uh, 
if we're on stage and you think we're overdoing it, it's probably because we're just l- working it out ourselves and we know we're overdoing it. <laughs> and it's totally can, true. Can you do the rest of the show in Steve's voice? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> I like you were doing the head too. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, yeah, I was I was I looked really enthusiastic. Yes. <laughs> And you nodded three times after everything you said. <laughs> I can't shake my whole head like he does. He's though. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you don't chicken neck when you play either. I don't. You need to learn that skill. I, I, I'm so... <laughs> Maybe because... you don't have that gift. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, be, because I've, I've had problems with my neck uh, from the time I was in middle school. Seriously, I fainted one time and landed on my neck in a weird way. I had to go to physical therapy. And I've had problems with my neck ever since, and so I'm afraid to move my neck around too suddenly. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll never play like Steve Seifert as a result. <laughs> because of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. All so right. that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, continue. Okay. All right. So, there's other stuff I've been working on, but that's that's the big thing ever since I got this one back. Well, let's can uh, we talk about... Uh, it's funny you and I use just because it's such a it's a song that everybody knows. Arkansas Traveler is a cool song. Uh, mm-hmm. If you were going to use this technique at some point during a tune like that, oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, all right. If I was so, suggesting, hey, could you start this out with? That's probably not where I would be inclined to use it okay um for me but that yeah you certainly could do that well if, i mean that's, but that's you how you want. and i work when we're working on tunes right often you'll say can you do this and mm-hmm. then you sort of make the thing and yeah you just that was just one right so what i what i would do is i would pr- try and simplify the melody L- just look at what's on the first beat and the third beat and try and outline l- just look at whatever melody notes are there fit the chord underneath uh, those notes, the first beat and the third beat. So if you look at the B part, for example, you've got that line. Right. If you simplify that, um, right, simplify it even more, and you've just got... So in terms of if I were going to apply a sweep-picked treatment to that, I might go something like... All right, now that just makes you look like a genius. Really? Yeah. All right. That's so cool. All right. In the A part, I mean, for a uh, for a variation, after I state the melody one time, like a... weird like that um but yeah did, did that absolutely okay. i think that may be the most useful 60 seconds of this podcast since we started <laughs> <laughs> it took 60 to get 60 seconds right. 60 podcasts. 
that no, that's exactly the question that people want to know is mm -hmm. I see you practicing all these techniques and teaching these techniques. How do I apply them? Yeah. So absolutely. Just know that, and I'm speaking for you now and I know you'll correct me because <laughs> it's <laughs> happened many times, mm -hmm. but I think you can get to a solo or a cool solo or something by not thinking about the solo so much, but thinking about the technique. I just want to try to apply it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, um, I think there's a lot of cool stuff that happens when you just simplify the melody to its bare bones that suddenly presents a lot of options for you. Like if I were thinking in terms of, like I said, the B part, that would be overwhelming for me to think, how am I going to sweep over that? But by just really breaking it down... See, I love it when those moments happen that makes me think, okay, let's, let's wrap this up. I want to go practice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's brilliant, Aaron. Oh, cool. Thanks. And it, so, comes, it just comes across to, the, to me as the listener in this case as, uh, I mean, I know how you're doing it. It doesn't take anything away to know the magic. It doesn't. Yeah. It's just like, no, because you recognize that there's a, all that work right. <laughs> has gone into this one technique yeah. so that it appears to be magic. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, I I know we've talked about this this before, and now I'm starting to get kind of uh, self-conscious about saying that too much on the podcast. I know we've talked about this before. Yeah, well, but, it's but, just uh, dulcimers and it's just music. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it's about. <laughs> but, uh, but really, truly, I mean, go, going back to the gift, there was a, there was another, uh, dulcimer player who I, I heard talk about this and she said just how much she, she doesn't like hearing you have a gift. And she said, it just, it makes it sound like, you know, it arrived all wrapped up and pretty and all you had to do was take the bow off of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but now watching, watching musicians, really good musicians who, who we respect, um, and admire, um, I, I don't think anymore like, wow, that's, that's superhuman. I, I think, wow, they've put they a ton so of time into yes. this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's equally awe-inspiring. Right. Because yeah. you know how hard it is. Absolutely. And so, I know how hard it is if they took a few weeks off. <laughs> from, it's true. Yeah, from playing. Yeah. Oh. But, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's true of everything in some ways. I guess yeah. I probably still hold some fallacies where I think, well, there's got to be some areas where that's not true. I mean, we... You see these... You see kids doing something, you think, well, of course they can do that. They're kids, but yeah, still they were, you know, they had an interest and they were obsessed and they spent, they have a lot more time on their hands than you do. Right. <laughs> For one, because yeah. they don't have bills to pay. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, um, I was talking about this, this recently in that, uh, um, I don't know if, I don't know exactly why it is, but I've noticed as I've gotten older that taking time off from playing dulcimer, 
I noticed that there's a bigger catch-up period for me being uh being 30 than there was when I was 18 or 19 it yeah. seemed like I could take uh you know a, a month off and come back to it and feel like I was right where I was having said that the stuff that I'm trying to play now at 30 is I don't know it feels like a hundred times more complicated really? than yeah. what I was trying to play back then and I mean maybe there were certain elements of my playing where I could maybe push just a little faster in some ways um i don't think i had uh anywhere near as much control with uh burst type playing and uh or things that are a twitch as we talked about um you run up against some physical limitations of the homo sapien sapien at some point right (laughs) there's only the different size muscles can only move so fast in some cases right and and Mm -hmm. you know there's some things that you do lose yeah. as you age mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. It's just that in, that endurance yeah. That, yeah, that allows you to keep practicing and not get injured as easily. Right. I mean, basically, I think once you're past 50, you're injured at the end of every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you laugh, but you'll see that you have to be careful that when you stop, and you're like, oh, I'm going to sit down. You're done. <laughs> really, that's that's true. So you push, you know, you push to get things done. But yeah. hopefully, just like what you're talking about, you can also get things. You can learn things quickly that can be learned quickly because you know enough about the instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you don't have to stop and figure out all this stuff, right? Yeah. So there's advantages, mm-hmm. but all that comes by sticking with it and continuing yeah. to learn. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm I'm finding really really kind of interesting now is I'm I'm just starting uh as you know to develop an interest in uh culinary arts. Yes. In <laughs> cooking. Um not Did just Did you bring any uh, chocolate whiskey balls this week or anything? No, I left yeah. some in your refrigerator though last time I was Oh, here. they're gone. I, yeah, okay, I'm, cool. Yeah. Um so yeah, no I, I cook with more than just scotch whiskey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it is really kind of cool being at this point where I like so much stuff feels like it's a mystery. Like I really don't know how things are going to turn oh, yeah. out. And, um, and on the dulcimer, it feels like there's, I'm at a point where, uh, even if I can't execute something, I have a good idea how it's going to turn out. Um, with the, the, with what I have to work with, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, what the end product is going to be if I do this Okay. with cooking. Now it's like n- not at all. Every, every herb is a, is a new discovery and what effect it has on the food. But I think it's only from going through this process with music that I am not, uh, totally depressed and believing that I'm not capable of cooking. Oh, that's interesting because I know what it's like to be at the very beginning of something and have everything be a mystery. And I think for me, music kind of taught me if you're willing to put in the time and sacrifice a healthy social life, you can do a lot of stuff. You told me the other day. Yeah, that's that's true. The social life part, especially Mm -hmm. you told me the other day that one of when someone is, goes to a culinary school, one of the most important skills they try to teach them is to taste. Yes. So they have them taste a lot and be able yeah. to differentiate things. Do you yeah. see any? It depends uh, on the culinary. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 one, I think it depends on the culinary school, but I've heard a number of uh, chefs say that uh, when they're teaching uh, uh, new new cooks, that they, they really strongly recommend before they develop their knife skills that they just learn how to taste. And, and yeah, absolutely, I see that as being relative to music in that I think um, <clears throat> before I could get really excited about arranging music or composing music it was important to identify what i liked and so what happened for me was coming from traditional music anyway uh there was a there were certain phrases particularly in irish music that would come up and i would i would identify it and be like that's what makes this song that is the hook of this song and i love it and then inevitably uh whenever i heard tunes that had similar kind of hooks i would latch onto them and then as i was arranging uh, if i could i would use those hooks as inspiration and whenever i was composing i just sort of developed a a bigger book of tricks for what i knew i liked does that make sense yeah so for example um uh I, I, yeah. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Well, it, this is gonna feel like I'm pushing back. Okay. I don't really mean it like that, but I did have this thought. <laughs> but I just can't help it. Well, no, 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 it's not really a pushback. It's just okay. there's this doubt in my mind always <laughs> that we we have maybe discussed something similar to this that we think we've figured out what the hook is, and we're doing that with our own experience when the hook came from somewhere else from somebody else's experience and they might have gotten to that from a different place sure and but because we related to it at some point mm-hmm. it does become very personal to us it's like that thing that david wilcox says that uh you're looking for a song that's my song mm-hmm. you know when i hear it it's like that's mine Right, and it's not yours. It was yeah. what somebody else did, but mm-hmm. it just speaks to you on so many levels. And we start finding those things that speak to us, and we apply them over mm-hmm. and over again. And that's not really pushing back. And I'm just saying, I see it, but I also see that relating to taste. Yeah, you're you're tasting. You know, it's like okay, right. I like the way this sounds. I like the way this feels, and I want to try it again. Yeah, in a different way. Well. For another example, if I can, um, I remember hearing, uh, I, I can't even rem- remember the song, but I, I heard one, one musician uh, at a certain place, let's say they're, they're playing in the key of D, all right? And in the melody, they land on a B note for a long period of time. Okay. And typically in this melody, um, uh, people would play a G chord over that B note. Okay. You, that makes sense, right? Yep, you so far. There was a pop song that I heard in the key of D, and I I can't remember what it was now, but I remember melodically it went to the same interval in, in the melody. But instead of playing a four chord, they played a major two. Because you could. Yeah, or a five of five. Right. Yeah, and I, I loved... I loved that kind of tension. So even in um, uh, like the fiddle tune repertoire, I would try exploring that same thing, knowing how 
this example made me feel. And I, I really liked that the sound of the five of five going to the four. So like in, in Angelina Baker, one of my favorite examples. And you land on that G. Sure. And so instead, I started doing something like a... Outlining that E to G. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, but play just the chords this time. Uh, just the chords. So you got. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Or I think Leonard Cohen and, you know, it was from playing a Leonard Cohen song that I learned. I, I really liked the sound of uh, um, the melody was there. And where he was going to after that was a G chord. But in between, he threw in from B minor to D7. And that brings you to G. And there are so many opportunities that in traditional music that we have to do exactly that. Um, just a phrase like that. Or Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so so what, what doesn't make sense is well, it does make sense. It's, it's called practice. All all I'm doing is just I did just hunting for these little nuggets, you know, in sure. any piece of music, where I go, oh wow, that really sticks out. That it's the one. That's it's, cool. It's not the one. It's one advantage of being a solo player, right? Because you can mess around with the chords like that. Well, I think even as a playing in an ensemble, it's just more tools for you to have. But it right. becomes you have to communicate that. If, but if there are two guitar players, mm-hmm. one person can't go to the two while the other person goes to the four. No, it's not going to work in an in a in a setting where uh, that we typically find in the traditional music realm, where um, uh, you're likely to walk up to a jam where you haven't met right. some of the people there, but in an ensemble where you're we where you're arranging, yeah. Yeah. Um, for or, or in an Irish session where mm-hmm. you've got basically one person who's the guitar player who's right. driving the chords. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I love Angelina Baker because it has so many different possibilities yeah. given the simplicity of the melody. But I know even within the traditional realm, you'll find some people that go. land on a B minor there or land on that G some people will split the difference there's a little bit of listening that has to happen but if I'm playing this on my own I'm gonna explore um, so yeah, I, I I love 
I don't know, harmonic movement and chord substitutions get me super excited, more excited than anything else. So <laughs> That's um, why the social life right. suffers. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear. Yeah. But if you, too, would, <laughs> would like to join us <laughs> in this nerd geekery yeah. that we're involved in, uh, that's what Dulcimer School's for. Yeah. Yeah. My my last class that I taught last mm-hmm. week on there was uh, doing dominant sevens around the cycle, going backwards around the cycle, the circle. The circle so things. you're going in, going backwards. So you're going in fourths? Going in fours. Yeah, cool. going backwards. But what that causes you to do is eventually play every dominant seven chord, you know, based on every note. Nice. Uh, and it's also teaching you how things move. And you can do them going forward as well. And that's mm-hmm. something that applies. But if you want to be able to do this kind of stuff that Aaron's doing, you have to be able to know how to make the chord right. based on what key you're in or, or what route you want to go from. So mm-hmm. yeah. my next lesson on Dulcimer School, so I'll probably record this weekend, is uh, all the minor chords. Just mm. minors all the way around. And and I'm, I'm leaving out some stuff. But I said all that to say, for one, just to say, if you ever tried Dulcimer School, there's a lot of material in there so that you can learn. But also mm-hmm. to say, it's how you get to do the kind of stuff that Aaron's doing. Yeah. And on top of that, it's showing, shows when I start working on technique like that, it shows me where I have holes. And yeah. We had a conversation in here yesterday, and Aaron's going, no, you just, the substitute for that is to just use a fully diminished chord. Right. I'm like, yeah. okay, what are the shapes for a fully diminished chord? You're like, now I have to work on that. On the hammer dulcimer. So <laughs> yeah. in my private practice time, not what I'm trying to teach, that's what I'm working on right now. Cool. It's kind of like your sweet picking thing. Yeah. You know, you just continue to work it. So until mm-hmm. I can go, look, I can do this all the way around the circle. Yeah. And then you have a chance mm-hmm. to be able to bring it in. It's like, oh, yeah. no, I don't know how to do that. You yeah. Know? And... A similarity between the mountain dulcimer and the hammer dulcimer <laughs> is that I would guess that some, depending on where you are on the fretboard, there are some shapes that you can make with your hand that you can just move something a little bit to get a different chord. Right. But there are some places where you realize, I can't really do that chord down here. Yeah. So you have to go somewhere else. And so half of the battle with these these particular instruments is finding out what it can do well mm-hmm. and what it just really is going to waste your time yeah. with. But you you have to figure it out, though. Mm-hmm. And there's... I don't know. Maybe it's... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's nothing, but... Um, I get kind of excited, uh, if you can't tell, <laughs> <laughs> sharing the stuff that I can't quite do yet. Um, and I think that... The reason for it is, um, I know I know I benefited uh, before before I was teaching very much on the circuit, but I I just met uh, Steve, and he sh- was kind enough to take a minute to show me what he was working on, and it was stuff that he wasn't really comfortable with, that he couldn't quite do, but it got me uh, like I I saw it and yeah. I was like, I want to do that. I can I can work I can on that, work on that yeah. and uh, and so it was it was fun then to then you know see him again as like a you know eighteen nineteen year old kid and be like I've been working on the, on you know what what you showed me and he's like oh well oh now I need to practice that and so it was like I felt like 
there was a real there was a real value for for me by Steve being willing to share what he couldn't quite do yet. And so um yeah, I I would be excited if someone came up to me and was able to play circles around me doing sweet picking. I would love for someone to take that a You're step further. You feel bad now. Why? Well, we I don't think I have that camaraderie certainly with anybody who's close mm-hmm. who plays Hammer Dulcimer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me and Steve still argue a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not as much as you and Steve, but we still argue. It's gotten better, though. Yeah? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So that's good. Welcome to our counseling session. (laughs) I didn't mean to. Hi, I'm Dan. (laughs) I have anger issues. (laughs) Not really, though. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well. We gotta end if on I, a happy note. Now. If I tell you to play us out, are you gonna start yelling? <laughs> Maybe. Do you get the joke? <laughs> no. <laughs> Never mind. Some will. Oh. Okay. Well, boy, this is the closest to being political that I've ever gotten on here. The early videos of Bill O'Reilly. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> Sting said Sting is gonna play us out. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. It's like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that because we don't edit. <laughs> we have a few times. Not here. much. Yeah, not very much. I've mostly just heard stories of edits when when you and Steve were oh fighting goodness. more. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, Steve has a very unique way of ending the podcast. If he right. wants there to be an edit. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. we miss Steve. Yeah. So will be back next week. Oh, he'll, he will be back I next so. week. Awesome. Okay, because I really want to talk to you guys about... I, I think we started talking about it a little bit. Um, different ways of teaching dulcimer splitting up techniques from traditional finger style to contemporary. We talked about this a little bit, and I'm really nervous about what Steve's going to say. Oh, that'll be interesting. He'll yeah. have an opinion. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm really, yeah. Wow, that sounds so exciting. <laughs> it, you know, it reminds me of this this commercial. I can't remember what it, what it was for, but a uh, professor comes in front of the class and he goes, today we're going to discuss Mullers. <laughs> <laughs> and the class just goes crazy. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, dental students. Yeah, yeah only, awesome. only dental students. Yeah. I'd like for us to do, a, while we're on this dreaming mode, I'd like for us to do a podcast on chord progressions. Okay. Just on different chord progressions and with instruments in hand so that we can try some different things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess this is a good time, and we're wrapping this up, folks, uh, to to say, hey, the feedback on iTunes is really good. We like to get that. And Oh, we need to say hi to Ann Bowman. She's oh, yeah, hi, Ann. <laughs> She's great. It's just so cool to have a listener in Australia. 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 Yeah. I think she's in Australia. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and, and other folks write us as well. And we all, we had some questions that people have asked us to bring up. Do you want to pull those out of your pocket? Yeah. Yeah, let's see if we can hit those quickly. We should have promoted this at the beginning of the show, but then we would have had to have talked about what we were going to do before the show, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't normally what we do. Uh, if you could stop and give us a rating on iTunes, that would be very nice. It helps other people find us if they type in the word dulcimer for a search that's really what it comes down to we 
it's not like we make it does it helps us make more money off the show if more of zero is <laughs> right <laughs> no it is not really yeah. more yeah <laughs> so what do you got okay and actually i think this would be this we should probably save this uh for next week to okay. go into but there was a setup there was a setup question okay. for mountain dulcimer what is considered high action high above the last fret at the bridge high above the first fret at the nut cuz i know can you I help think, re- help us remember that for next week yes, i'd like to hear you absolutely. and Steve argue about it yeah so. oh yeah we will <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are not going to agree on it i that. know i know that's <laughs> yeah. what i said yeah okay hey can you play us out <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> okay. Let's see. What should I do? All right. <laughs>